Welcome back to Revolutionary Health, the show that focuses on Black gay men's health and wellness. As always, make sure you follow us on all of our social media. We're on Twitter at Building Desire, Facebook, Instagram, at The Counter Narrative. I'm your host, Michael Ward, and I've got my other favorite Michael here with me, L. Michael Gibson. He's a writer. He's an art critic, advocate. He loves music just as much as I do. So I'm so glad and excited that we'll be able to have this conversation um, about Boosty Badass to give him a little love and compassion and just check in and see how we're feeling about everything this week. Um, if you're not familiar with uh, the comments that he made, I'll just go ahead and read those um, to you. I'm, I'm not sure if you have kids around, but just be, um, be mindful of that. So um, the comments that he did uh, make last week were um, surrounding his sons and his nephew. Um, and it reads, I'm training these boys right. Ask any of my nephews, ask any of them, ask my son. Yeah, when they was 12, 13, they got hit. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. Hell yeah, I got my fucking son. Son's dick sucked. You fucking right. Uh, yes, a grown woman. Uh, she checked out all my nephews, super grown. She checked me out. I know what the fuck she did to them. And she checked me out that bitch. I'm getting them prepared, man. Um, so we kind of just want to both discuss kind of those comments where we're feeling uh, thoughts and questions that surround those things. So I just want to check in with you first before we uh, get started on this conversation. Um, L. Michael Gibson, how are you feeling? Um, how are you doing right now where we are with COVID-19? Um, with the COVID-19, I'm uh, in anticipation of the second wave. I am making sure I'm stocked up so that when we can't get things again, I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I'm kind of in a, a state of preparation and preparedness because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about all of these states opening up back up at the same time and what's that going to mean for people and what's it going to mean for me personally, so. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, I'm glad that you're health and that you're safe and that you're here with me. So just with those comments of, of trying to keep it concise, um, because a lot of it was saying the same thing over and over. But I kind of think we get the messaging of where he was going with this. Um, but what things does it bring up for you? How are you feeling about it? I mean, so, the, I mean, his words, I'm training them right, right? So I think that immediately when you get to I'm training them right, what I heard in that, intentional or not, was I'm training them for toxic masculinity. I'm training them to be good patriarchs. I'm training them to view women as bitches, right? Because that's how he refers to the woman who he paid for the service. Um, I'm training them to be like me. And so, you know, and I think in that, if we unpack that, one can imply or infer that the like me aspect of it is he's also experienced this training um, and it's a training that he didn't seem to have any problem with. And, uh, you know, and so, and that it's a right way, right? That there's this essentialist nature of it, that, um, exposing male children to sexual trauma early as privilege, um, is some, is a rite of passage, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot in what he said that, I know people immediately kind of go to the homophobia aspects of it and the fear of them turning queer as if 
sex with a woman is corrective, you know, which kind of has a, a history in kind of the rape of lesbians, right? Like a lot of the times the perpetrators, male perpetrators of lesbian rape will be like, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, you know, once you get this dick, you'll be corrected. You'll be fixed. You'll, you won't want women anymore. And we are, you know, we obviously know that that's not true. That's not rooted in anything accurate or medical or factual. <laughs> um, it's just rooted in hate and toxic masculinity and fear. Um, you know, and, you know, and I've heard, obviously there's been a legal aspect too, and we can get to that. But my first thoughts were, you know, that this is a training. Um, and as much as people want to focus on boozy, I'm actually more appalled by how many hearts came up on the Instagram as he was saying it. There weren't any negative faces. There weren't any, um, any contrarian comments in the comment section. If you watch it as it's coming up in IG, he's co-signed throughout his statement. He supported throughout his statement that this is correct that the rape of boy children is correct. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think a, my first reaction kind of when people started talking about it and I was like, oh God, what, what did he say again? Um, like you say, a few things stood out to me about it. Um, I felt kind of as a father, you know, as a father, you're, you're giving us access to your son's lives, 12, 12 13 you're now putting their sexual lives on display for the entire world. For anybody tuned into the IG Live, anybody tuned into uh, the YouTube that's recorded after, you are now putting these young, young boys' lives, uh, sex lives, particularly on display for the entire world. So in a way, to me, it felt like it was very, almost kind of an invasion of privacy a little bit um, for, for them because now they have to deal with everyone knowing you know, their sexual lives, and as well, this I'm getting them prepared piece. Like, what, it, what are you getting them prepared for? Um, like you said, it's almost this kind of rite of passage that he was kind of saying, I'm getting them prepared for this is how life is supposed to be. You know, this is how they're going to continue on in their lives. And that was kind of the disturbing piece for me is that, like you say, as far as growing up, what kind of things did he learn? What is he preparing them for? What are they now going to go out and teach um, their children if they, if they decide that they want to have children? And having sex with a woman does not correct you um, in that instance if you are homosexual. I've had sex with women. Like, I'm, I still identify as a Black gay man. That didn't necessarily correct um, anything uh, for my trajectory of life. And so... I, I didn't get to see the IG live, so I didn't get to see the hearts or any of those things, but I did kind of read some of the comments on Twitter and Facebook and people co-signing it and saying that this is, that's just the way life is. That's, you know, we experienced this at such a young age. And it kind of, for me, made me think about a few things. In particular, um, what did his father teach him? You know, what was his rite of passage? What kind of messaging did his Black father kind of give to him to say that this is okay, this is the way that it's supposed to be, and kind of challenge us to think about that. You know, what kind of messaging as Black fathers and the messaging that we got from our Black fathers about treating women correctly, about respecting 
our bodies, about respecting other women's bodies um, to enter into those space. So it just brought up all of these kind of things in my mind. And sometimes I feel like social media isn't the right platform a lot of times to get all of this out. So I'm glad that you're you're here with me to, to be able to kind of get some of my thoughts and my feelings out about these things. Um, I kind of want to pose a question um, as well to, to both of us, as far as with any of the Black fathers that may come or uncles, cousins, anyone um, that may have a chance to pour into the lives of a, of a Black gay boy that might watch this eventually. How do you, how do you feel that messaging and those things for, for Black gay boys? What, what can we take away from it? What advice can we kind of give them? I mean, I think that, so, you know, for me, um, you know, I want to co-sign first by sharing a personal story. You know, my first sexual experience was not with a boy. My very first sexual experience was when I was nine years old with a girl who was 10, and she gave me head, and I ate her out, <laughs> right? Like, you know, or what we thought we were doing based on whatever things we had been exposed to uh, inappropriately. Um and I went on to be gay, right? Like, that didn't stop me from eventually going on to having relationships with men. So this idea that even if you are concerned, you know, we won't even get into the, the, the badness of you being concerned that your child might be gay, <laughs> how fucked up that is. But even if you are concerned, this is not the strategy, right? We have empirical evidence of plenty of gay men who are fathers, plenty of gay men who are, um, who've gone on to only be in relationships with men after childhood explorations of their sexuality with both genders, um, or all genders. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, so that, I mean, let's like, first just get that out the way. This is not taking care of nothing. So, um, the other thing is that, um, I wanted to share, so I brought a book um, called No Jewels by poet Ty Allen. And Ty Allen has been, um, and I wrote the foreword for this book. So it's a, it's a poetry book, um, which is always funny to me because I'm not into poetry like that, but Ty's a friend. And um, Ty's a heterosexual black man who is very alpha male, like six foot five, six foot six, basketball playing, history of some dubious behavior and crime, <laughs> you know, New Yorker, going on to be a community activist and Renaissance man. But the book itself is about his experience um, from, I think, ages 8 to like 11, being sexualized by a woman, a grown adult woman. And, um, and I, he asked me to write the foreword because he knew I had experience being raped at 14 by a grown man. Now, I had been having sex with men for two years prior to this rape, so this was not the rape that made me gay. Um, but because I had had that experience of being molested and he'd had the experience of being molested, he thought it was important that we talk about that this is a shared conversation that we should be having about boys, period, right? Like that rape of children doesn't know a sexuality. And it can happen to someone as alpha and masculine, a father, a you know, somebody who's looked up to by other men. And it can happen to, you know, me as a gay rights activist and as a writer and advocate person. So, like, this is a conversation we need to be having about Black boys and the protection of Black boys and how vulnerable Black boys are. And because of what happened to me, my mother 
taught my brother, who's 18 years younger than me, that people would want to sexualize his body. And that wasn't a conversation that, you know, people, you know, mom had conversations with me about not getting in strangers' cars, right, as a kid. But there wasn't like this very explicit conversation that, you know, people would want to take advantage of your body and that you should do whatever you can to protect your body. And we'll also do what we can to protect your body. And because of that, when my brother was uh, accosted, you know, was stepped to by a grown up when he was 14, he ran. <laughs> right, right, right. Like he knew immediately what the score was, he knew what was happening, and he got out of Dodge. Right. Like that's the kind of, you know, education and protection. If you're a father, you should be teaching your boys that grown women and grown men can be a danger to their bodies, that grown women and grown men want to have sex with their bodies. Now, in this instance, this was a sex worker who was paid. And there's another dimension to that um, in this. You know, we've heard calls for not just for him to be incarcerated, but for her to be incarcerated, too. and I think that, you know, while we're pro-sex work, I don't think that being pro-sex work means that we can't expect some kind of ethic from sex workers not to molest children, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, even mm-hmm. if they're paid to do so on behalf of toxic masculinity and patriarchy. Um, I think that, you know, she could have turned that that gig down. You know, that that was like, that was the bridge too far for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but that she accepted that means that she should also suffer some consequences of those actions. I don't know that incarcerating Boozy gets to what we could do with this, right? Like, on one level, I want to see him locked up because he essentially got his the male, not just his sons, but his nephews, too, mm-hmm. molested. Like, he facilitated a molestation of four boys, at least. Um, anyone else, if we were talking about girls, we would lock that person up. This would not be talking about no rite of passage. We would not be talking about, no, this is what you do. We would be talking about, you know, how, you know, don't lock him up, right? It wouldn't mm-hmm. even be a conversation. There's, there's no conversation where we're supportive of 13, 12, and 14-year-old girls being sexualized by adult men where we don't want to lock them up, if not kill them. Um, but because he had so many likes, because he had so much support, that indicted not just him, but us as a greater society. I, you know, what would it mean to transform his thinking about these issues and put him on a tour to talk to other men so that we can stop this cycle, right? What would it mean to work with this brother to get him to see the error of his ways, to atone to his sons, to atone to his nephews, to atone to the male community that looks up to him, for giving them this misinformation as good as correct. Um, You know, how many more rapes and molestations of other boy children could we stop? Mm. So that's where I am with it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story and and for giving that to this space. Definitely thank thank you for that, uh, for for giving us the space um, and that energy to it. and kind of in my own thinking of where I was going with that with that question and kind of challenging the generational cycles mm-hmm. um, as far as with Boosie of thinking, what did his father teach him now what he's teaching his son? And I think that's a, a perfect idea of him going around and kind of saying a restorative piece of it. I'm saying kind of like, this is what I learned 
um, I apologize in those actions because even I think when it comes to my own life of getting message messaging from other uh, from my father specifically and from other black men that influenced my uh, my growing up, that there was sort of the, these conversations around um, my body and, and sexualization of my body and kind of owning owning my body and knowing that this is mine. Um, of that, but still there was some kind of messaging there as well about um, women, you know, that weren't necessarily the, the, the best. And I've been blessed with the opportunity to now have my father in my life at a place where we can talk about the things that he learned, you know, from his father and kind of those lessons and those experiences and those kind of conversations that he had to how he's transforming his own way of thinking now that he's coming into realizing that, you know, I'm gay. I'm not, it's, it's not going anywhere. Um, although I've had experiences sexual wise and relationships with, uh, uh, with girls, I should correct that, not women at that age, but girls um, at that time. And that's been powerful. That's been a very powerful tool in my life of seeing how he's progressed and changed into how I can pour into my nephew's life, you know, as a black boy who's now 12, you know, so he's entering into that time where it's like, you're going to get all of these outside messages and influences, but you've got to know your body and you've got to respect your body and you've got to own that and own those decisions that you make um, in that. And it's a it's a perfect opportunity with this platform that he has and all of these people that are co-signing. Like you say, it's a check. It's a check in our gut to us. Why would we so loud about other people in the entertainment industry that were uh, raging? Yeah. You know, we, he, see, I checked his daughter's hymen and talked about that on public on social media. We were ready to kill her, right, right? Right, because it, <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier, it was you're putting you're putting this child's life, sexual life, their sexual history, their body parts on display for the world when we have absolutely no business going there with that. You know, these kids' experiences. Yes, and mm -hmm. I just imagine as far as when it comes to the trauma of these these boys and even. Like you say, Tia Zarda, of what now are they faced with? Because it's a swift growing up. Like this is this is a swift growing up for these for these young men out here that are kind of now entering territory that they shouldn't have been in. You know, it's kind of what I what I worry about and I'm concerned about. And it to me, it starts as well in our own homes. We mm -hmm. have to be able to have these difficult conversations with with daddy, uncle. You know nephew, all of these kind of things, it starts with us to have those conversations. If we're co-signing it and liking it and putting that messaging out, it starts with us, you know. Um, I'm sure I'm going to butcher his first name, but Kaise Lyman's um, Heavy talks about his um, ex very open, actually the very opening chapters of his memoir, Heavy talks about as a Southern boy um, growing up, I think it's in Mississippi, um, and his experience being prematurely sexualized and the pressure, right? Like he talks very viscerally about the fear and the pressure in the moment that even if he, you know, that he knew that what was happening was immoral, right? He knew that what was happening was unethical, but he didn't feel like he could in that moment. And this wasn't even with adults. This was with, you know, like, this was like with just older kids, right? like, and maybe young adults um, who were around him in that moment who were trying to get him to 
have sex with a girl or run a train on a girl um, and participate in, in, in what he knew was an unethical behavior and the pressure and the fear. And I think at one point, I think he even pissed himself or something. Like, mm. like there's like this narrative that these boys are excited and want this moment to happen. And maybe, maybe not. You know, a lot of... The, there certainly wasn't room or age for agency in, you know, what would have been said if they did not allow it. You know, based on the person that was on that IG, I don't think that there was space. It wasn't, it wouldn't have been space for me as a grown up, much less a space for no. a 12-year-old in it the wasn't. face of those other adult men saying, you have to do this. If you don't do this, you're not a man, or you might be gay, which is, of course, like the most scariest, terrifying thing in the world when you're a middle school age child. Um, and so, yeah, I think that we have to, you know, I, I, one of my most popular posts on Facebook was talking about the fact that cishet men can't gaslight me the way they try to gaslight women, um, Black women in particular, about the conversations had about women growing up. I was in those rooms. I was in that locker room. I was in that barbershop. I was in that uncle space. I heard and was trained right next to them to think about how to run game on women, to think about how to get over on women, to think of, you know, like the language, and, and, you're, and you're a kid, right? Mm -hmm. And like and part of you, particularly if you're a queer kid, you're like, well, I'm not, you know, everybody else is nodding their head and agreeing and enjoying this moment. I'm not enjoying this moment. I'm not agreeing with this moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm, I'm having a problem with this moment, but certainly don't have any voice to articulate that or to buck against it. You just sit and you listen and you hope that nobody calls on you to have an opinion, right? Real because shit. Terrified yeah. um, that you're not going to say the things that everybody else is wanting to say. You know, so I'm, I was immediately taken back to those moments of wanting to fit in and wanting to be considered a, a, a cool guy with other guys. And, and you know, and... It, you want me to have sex with this grown woman in order to get there? I'm many a boy, I'm sure, did do it, have done it, and maybe that's why so many people were willing to cosign because to not cosign would be to have to interrogate those fathers, those uncles, those male mentors that they hold in such high esteem, who were facilitated a rape, who facilitated a molestation, right? Yeah. Yes having these difficult conversations and holding those people in our lives that we love accountable and checking them in love and coming from a loving place of that, which is definitely what we want, what we wanted to do with this. I, I understand as well with the comments that they, they were very, 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 very fucked up, but this gives us an opportunity to be able to hold him accountable, but check him with love. And I, and I, and I love this conversation that we're able to have about that. Um, but I just want to say, in 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 this space of of anything else, because I know we can we can go a lot of different ways uh, with this. But um, in this space, any last thoughts, anything else that you want to offer up to anybody watching um, before before we get out of here? I you know I guess if you were that 12 year old or if you are currently that kid because you know who knows what ages are watching us in secret <laughs> right mm -hmm. um you know 
if you it's okay to decline this experience it's okay to get help if you have had this experience um we know from stories like bob fossey who was this great american choreographer who had an incredibly fucked up relationship with women for the rest of his life because he had been sexualized at like 12 and 13 by a group of adult women um we know from other stories similar to that that women became bitches and women became this that and the other because women have been the facilitators of trauma in their lives um that this does harm that this does harm to the black family that this does harm to black love that this does harm to black gender and sexuality relationships um that this does harm and that it's okay to get help for that harm and it's okay like you said michael to hold the people accountable in your life who help facilitate this behavior they are not that behavior they facilitated a behavior they engaged in a behavior that does not make them that person right um and so how can we but that doesn't mean we can't hold those people accountable for the harm and the trauma and the hurt that they caused and if we don't stop it now now we'll continue to, you know, 20 years from now, there's going to be some other rapper talking about how he helped facilitate this with their kids. Mm-hmm. They're going to be having this conversation again. And I just hope that we learn to do better. Thank you. And I would say for myself to offer up as well as someone who's um, actively working, actively working in therapy with, with the help of uh, therapy, that there is, there is, help out there. There are people who can help you get to a place in your life. If if you've encountered it, if you've got this messaging, if you grew up with these things that can definitely help you identify um, those areas in your life um, at that age of where it happened. Um, and they can definitely give you the tools and the resources to, to work through it. And that's one of the things um, that I, like I say, I'm actively working on. I'm working on that messaging around masculinity, about treating women, um, about my own relationships with, you know, my father and my nephew from those things that I heard as a young boy. Um, So I will definitely offer that up. And it's okay if it does not feel right to you to question, to question that. Um, You have agency and you've got control. You've got more power than you know um, over it. So definitely if it does not feel right in that intuition, in that gut, um, lead you there. Please check it. Check it. Check check for what you go. So thank you so much. Real, one last thing. I just want to, as a resource for people, okay. if you don't know how to have this conversation with people, Mark Lamont Hill wrote a great response that's in the root, and oh, it, yes. it literally has every argument that people make in a rebuttal. Just send that to the folks. Right, you don't have to engage the people in the back and forth and mess up your Saturday <laughs> and rest up your mental. Yes. Just send them that Mark Lamar Hill of every everything that people have come up with to try to justify this trauma and in uh, the salient response to it. Yes, thank you because I actually did. I checked that out and like you said, the people who say, "Is this really rape?" Rape in different kind of responses is. <laughs> But those are the kind of things that, like you say, we right. have to be able to, to check people on that. And that was that was a great, great article. Thank you for bringing that to the space. And thank you for being here, for having this conversation with me and chatting with me. It's always a pleasure when you come sit, sit with me. I appreciate it so much. 
Thank you so (laughs) Please, you too. I'm glad that you're safe and well and everybody else out there. So as always, make sure that you like, subscribe, comment, follow us on Twitter at Building Desire, Facebook and Instagram at The Counter Narrative. Uh, Love you very much and always be good to yourself.